माइक इज गुड हाय हेलो हेलो नमस्ते चेक चेक चिक चिक जस्ट मेक श्योर योर हेयर डजन ब्रश अगेंस्ट द माइक इट मेक लाइक द ओके जस्ट लाइक एडिट आउट माई लेंट एंड एडिट जस्ट लाइक पूरा पैरिस फिल्टर आई फोकॉट गिव माई सेल्फ अ ब्रश टूडे मॉर्निंग What shoes are those? Puma cell. Yeah, I'm just like always all black. Okay guys. I have those set the time. Yeah. Okay, 10:35, 10:37 I guess. Camera one holding. 3 2 1. Cool. Hello everyone. Uh welcome to another episode of This is FTC. Uh This is FTC is a podcast through which we uncover the stories behind creative entrepreneurs and brands across the spectrum in India. On today's episode, we have uh, a digital artist who's setting trends in the Indian industry, Sam Madhu. Hello, thank you for having me. So, without any further ado, let's just get right into it. Cool. Hi Sam. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm just worried that my hair is a uh, affecting the audio but i think we're okay no, so, <laughs> so sam you've been doing this for how long so i've been making digital art since i was um maybe 13 and i'm 26 now so 13 years so um yeah tell us more about yourself and that that journey from when you were a kid mm-hmm. and getting into art yeah. to where you are today and making it your life and your profession yeah so how did that whole transition happen so well um So my mom was the first one who kind of um, got me interested in drawing and painting. She um kind of forced me to go to drawing classes when I was 6 years old. Mm-hmm. So I think um right from then I um just discovered that I had um an interest and a talent for like making images since I was a child and then you know that kind of grew into making digital art when I was a teenager. Um I would spend a lot of time online just um try um you know understanding how to use photoshop and wacom and all these tools you, you learn that yourself yeah i taught myself how to use those things um youtube has just been my university yeah. um yeah and that just kind of kept you know growing um i ended up going to art school and then i ended up working for um brands and things so um yeah i think it's just been a, a long journey of a lot of self discovery and self learning and watching youtube tutorials interesting <laughs> along so, the way would you uh, from from your perspective right um was this something you you, you were going to get into mm-hmm. or was this just something that kind of happened as you went along the way yeah honestly i still don't know what i'm doing um so i definitely definitely uh, did not know what i was getting into uh that is for sure I was really into anime and manga as a as a teenager so I always like I my dream was to move to Tokyo and become um, a manga illustrator like make my own comic books and stuff um so I did actually my major in college was illustration and then I realized you know after a year that 
uh, this is not really going to get me a lot of money. Not that I wanted a lot of money, but I wanted to be financially stable. Right. So I just realized maybe maybe I couldn't make it work with this uh, profession. So that's why I started getting more into, um, I don't want to say commercial, but more like um, uh, things that are more like living in a digital space and right. more like whatever relevant to the times we're living in. So that's kind gotcha. of um, how I got into where I am. So if you yeah. have to describe Sam Madhu in a sentence or, in, or like a line yeah. yourself, how would you, oh, damn. Would you introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to introduce you, but how would you introduce yourself? Uh, I think I would introduce myself um, as a um, multidisciplinary mixed media digital artist. Uh, I don't think of myself, I think of myself as a jack of all trades, master of none, because I just know how to do a lot of things, but um, I, I feel like I, you know, there are some people who like spend their whole career like honing a certain craft, but I, I kind of just jump between things that I think are like exciting to me, so I just learn a lot of things. So what's, yeah. what's currently exciting to you? So right now it's 3D, uh, I'm working a lot um you know, in Cinema 4D, making a lot of 3D art. Um, and <laughs> I think the 3D is really exciting to me right now. It's, it's, it's really like, I see it as a digital renaissance mm -hmm. because, you know, like everyone is kind of um, making whatever they used to make in, a, in flat, they're like reproducing it as these dimensional objects right. now. So I think that is I think that really cool. Space experiments yeah and, mm -hmm. and it's just such a limitless space like you can really build your own reality inside 3d so i'm just still very new to it but i'm having a lot of fun it's really cool what do you think is going to happen when you merge like 3d tech with ar or vr i think that's already happened um are you but talking about me scale. personally or like on a consumer level scale like on oh. everyday level scale right now what's happened is very niche it's right like with certain communities and the equipment, the hardware is pretty expensive. Yeah. So what's going to happen when it's... Demolished? When it's more, like, available yeah. to the public? Wow. Um, I think that... I think I think, um, I think. think a lot of it will be integrated into advertising. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you watch Blade Runner and all those, like, sci-fi right. movies, um, you have these huge cities and you have, like, whatever. The All the ads are, like, um, the holograms right. that are, like, kind of... But you, like, whatever... Uh, like a Tesla car would be like spinning in a skyscraper. So I think advertising would be one of the first industries to really utilize uh, 3D on a public scale. Right. Um, yeah, I think like, you know, uh, even now the new iPhone has like this, they have like an AR kind of feature. So right. I think that, um, I think that it, people are just, um, as, as we get Slowly exposed to new yeah. technologies, it's possibilities are like endless. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, have you have you done interviews like this before? Have you done like podcasts or interviews like this in the past? Yeah, I have done a podcast. I did. Um, I've done a lot of interviews mm -hmm. in the past. Yeah. So I don't know if you've been asked this before. Yeah. But describe your uh, your creative like ideation process. How do you go from an idea, yeah. then making it what it actually becomes. Mm -hmm. What does that process look like, just for people to understand? Hmm. It's honestly, for me personally, it's it's just like I kind of figure it out along the way. Mm -hmm. um, I do, you know, I take out my sketchbook on my iPad and then I 
if I have an idea, I quickly just um, draw it out, like just with rough lines. Mm -hmm. So I have an idea of the composition. Like if I'm making a giant city with a snake or whatever, I will kind of pen out how I want the buildings to look and then how the snake's body will be and all that. Yes, I've seen that. I think you yeah. with the bomb, like the Bombay with the... The snake coming out yeah, of yeah, that was actually my favorite piece, and that did quite well. So, um, <coughs> sorry, yeah, so that's what I do, that's how I start. And then, you know, when you're in the 3D space, you realize that there's things that you don't know, and you can't make some things happen, so you have to find another way to make it happen. So, it's a lot of like discovery along the way. So, the final product might not look like what you intended, but it's still cool, so, yeah. I mean, it's not, maybe not 100%, but... Yeah, but it turns into something else that you didn't know you could make. So that's cool. So when you start, uh, do you have the final product in mind or do you just have, like, you're just like, we'll see where this goes. And just I think it really it. depends on um, the, the piece. Like, if I'm doing something for myself, it's more about me just having fun and kind of doing... Uh, just like exploring mm -hmm. but if it's for a client um, if I've given them a kind of um, a brief or like if I've told them this is what I'll be giving you then I try to match that as uh, closely as possible right. yeah. so uh, for someone you, you said you we spoke yesterday you said you lived in Brooklyn for seven years mm -hmm. um, how is how has that impacted your uh, aesthetic as it is today or your sense of design right and what do you do? You think for someone who's listening to this, who's maybe a young incoming, you know, a visual artist, what would you tell them to do to really expand their aesthetic? Cool. Um, yes. So living in Brooklyn, um, it did, you know, open a lot of um, doors in the sense that uh, it. it kind of exposed me to a lot of things I didn't know about. Um, mm -hmm. So I was not even interested in sneakers or streetwear or anything before um, I moved there. And then right. I got that job with Adidas. Uh, before right. that, I didn't know anything about sneakers. Actually, uh, <laughs> I went on a trip with my friend a month before I got that job. And I was like, why does everyone suddenly care about sneakers? Like, I don't understand. And then I literally got the job. And then I was like, OK, I have to care How about sneakers. Happen? Uh, I think they just liked my portfolio. The person who hired me is actually one of my best friends. She remains my best friends today. I mean, we met during the hiring process, and she's like now my one of my best friends. So um, she uh, really took a chance with me. I didn't have a background in street, but she kind of maybe saw some potential and then just gave me a shot. So, um, but yeah, I definitely didn't was like very much out of my zone when I entered that job. Everyone knew they've been in that world forever, yeah. and I was just like I showed up like with these torn <laughs> pink Puma sneakers in my first day. I was like, this is the only pair I have. Like, just like totally, I didn't know what I was doing. But that job um, taught me a a lot about street, and it taught me a lot about. Um, how to have like uh, how to have taste in a lot mm -hmm. of ways like even if that taste is outside street it taught me how to reference and make mood boards and like look at an image and say this is really cool right. or not like just to have a, an eye mm -hmm. um, and Brooklyn like the just the environment of Brooklyn like you know it's um so rooted in like you know whatever everyone's like Jay Z Biggie like they're all from Brooklyn so hip hop definitely played a huge part in um. Mm -hmm. Like my 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 taste. Like I was listening to hip hop, and like 
and all that. And uh, I sound so silly when I say it out, but no, definitely, like, I was, it changed a lot of who I am. And, um, yeah, yeah, sorry, I, might, I just drifted off. But no I think that, just, just the environment of Brooklyn, um, and even New York, you know, that really influenced uh, it's, a it's lot a, of my it's work. It's a whole different world, right? I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's the city in itself is a whole world. I mean, when you look at street, like, it comes from New York, it comes from Brooklyn and Harlem, like, right. everything, like, all the shoes we're looking at, the clothes, we're, the colors we're wearing, that, that is all coming from a place. Right, yeah, that's like all coming from a culture, right? Like there was, yeah. Just, so uh, everything, <laughs> the mashup between like the sports industry and then fashion at the time, and then just people doing their own thing with. Fashion. I, also, just black culture, like yeah. street is black. Mm-hmm. Um, st- uh, like black culture is like is defining so much of the current contemporary culture that we're living yeah. in right now, like. That to me is um, super important and I, I would love that people kind of understand the roots of what they're wearing. That's you know, true. like 100%. when you're wearing whatever you're wearing, wearing, like a Lakers jersey, you're wearing a Jordans, like all of that, like, um, you know, that all of that comes from a culture of feeling proud of the people you see on TV and, right. and all that. So, yeah, that, that that's what Brooklyn taught me. It taught me that this is um, where things have come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So for whoever's listening, <laughs> please try. Yeah. Uh, I think that will open up your perspective a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> What's the craziest project you've worked on so far? And it can be crazy in terms of timelines. It can be crazy in terms of the scope. Yeah. Or it can just be fucking nuts because it's terrible. But what's the, what's the craziest project you worked on? Well, I think for me it would have to be the, I built, um, I did an event with W Goa, W Hotels and uh, Mixcloud and um, it's called Future Rising. Basically, it was a collaboration between me and the DJ Blot mm-hmm. um, and we did an event where we, um, I kind of, uh, me and my team, we built um, a giant 12-foot cyberpunk goddess. So she was literally like this giant cyberpunk goddess with a circuit board on her skin. And she had like a VR headset with pink neon lights and these neon wires like kind of forming a canopy over the, um, the, over the, the venue. No, so it was like- yeah, it was like um, these neon wires. We, we had to cut down on the wires because there was a mess up with the venue. But the actual vision was to have a canopy of neon wires. So let's just pretend that happened. That. Yeah. So um, that was really cool because I'd never, you know, it's always been my dream to make installations. And um, I, when I, whenever I was working in an agency as a graphic designer, I just never like understood how I would get to that place where I can direct my own installation. So that was um, really, really cool for me. Mm-hmm. And my team was um, amazing. One of my Really good friends, Lavinia was the set designer, mm-hmm. and she and her friend Sid, like they did the set design. They absolutely killed it because like these girls, they work for Netflix and and all that, so they know how to visualize a drawing and make it reality. Right. So that was sick. Um, so yeah, so this giant cyberpunk goddess with like glowing circuit boards, like sitting on this cybernetic lotus, and she's like meditating in VR, and she's like massive, like fifteen feet, twelve to fifteen feet, yeah. and when was yeah. This? This was last October. Yeah. yeah. And Blot is like, like playing a set in front of them. And um, 
yeah, people were just raving and I think they were just tripping on the goddess because we put all these like lasers on her body. So mm. it was just like, I think it was visually like super overwhelming for people. Right. And we had visuals playing on a screen too. So like, side, side like side. surrounding her. So like, I think that, I think it was really cool for me to just see people like, like, oh, like visually just uh, absorbing that. Yeah. yeah, that was really cool. And that gig actually got me super into techno. So that I like had a made a transition from hip hop to techno. I mean, I still listen to my hip hop, but you know that was Expanded. cool. Yeah, because India has a really interesting rave community and all that. So that 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 event was like a huge turning point for me in my life, as big as Brooklyn, I would say. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a special project. Yeah. Like, if if you could like divulge a little bit into how does a project like that happen? How does what a project is the behind the scenes of yeah that project? <laughs> oh my god. Life? That behind the scenes was insane. <laughs> like I, th- I think you must have to like pitch it uh, over and over again, mm. and then finally once it gets requisitioned to actually execute yeah. that vision is not. Damn! Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm, I don't even know how we pulled it off. Sorry, is my hair um, obstructing the mic? Okay. Yeah. Um, so basically, definitely, um, I think that client Mixcloud and W, they were actually great clients. They were both extremely trusting, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't have to pitch too much. Just one pitch, one round of pitching, or two rounds of pitching, I think, which is crazy because usually it takes maybe seven to eight rounds. Yeah. yeah um, you know, once a pitch is um, approved, it's like refining. But they um, were very. Um, they let me do what I want. That, so which was like uh, amazing mm-hmm. um yeah i think um so the behind the scenes was uh, actually crazy we had to the goddess was made in bombay so we had so to yeah so we had to get a tempo truck to mm-hmm. drive her from bombay to goa but the top of the tempo truck had to be removed because she was 15 feet so we she couldn't fit in any truck so um we had a video of like there's a tempo truck going on the road and you can just see her head like <laughs> in the truck like going crazy. Right. So literally had to dismantle a truck and when and when she got to the venue, like there were like seven people that had to carry her and she's just absolutely massive. So Hello, it's Yeah. It's not it's not it's it's not an it, it's no. she. She's my daughter. <laughs> yeah. You know Hajime's uh Hajime Soriyama, is that the artist? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Hajime he does like the metal goddesses, mm-hmm. a metal, the androids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does like, um, he did it for Dior with Kim Jones. Right. So I like how he calls them his, um, he says my daughter will be born and then he has like a, a Dior robot. So right. I'm just like, yeah, she's like my daughter. I'm super, uh, that project was like really inspired by him. Mm-hmm. I love his work, yeah. I, can't, I, I would love the experience of that. Uh, yeah. You know, just something that's so immersive. You yeah. kind of see the thought process being put behind it. Yeah. While it's happening. <laughs> you know, just be experienced with it. So when, what about like the technical expertise, right? You said you're a jack of all trades, but mm-hmm. how do you put the other circuit boards in? How do you program them? Is that something you do? Is so that, that um, Lavinia, my um, art director, she... Um, I kind of, the thing with her, we work really well is because I will have a vision and um, kind of t- t- um, kind of explain to her and she kind of 
um, will give me feedback on how to make it better, what's working, what isn't. Right. And she kind of visualizes it into reality. Mm-hmm. So she has, um, she's amazing. She works with the sculptors and the electricians and the light programmers to kind of bring this to life. So, right. you know, it's a whole team effort. Like, um, all these guys, they, um, they kind of understood how to bring all that, that stuff to life. Like, mm-hmm. circuit boards, we, we did... Um, like glow glow in the dark paint and like these beautiful white strips so it looked very much like live wire like a circuit board mm-hmm. and then the rigging for the vr headset we went to crawford market in bombay we bought neon lights and um yeah the uh the electricians they found a way to make it work like so when you like it's not just um it's so many people were a part of it and i was just like Honestly, I was just sitting there and like, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Like, everyone was just doing such an amazing job. And I was just like, what is my contribution here? No one knows. <laughs> I think it's always a team effort. I think your yeah. contribution was actually yeah. throwing that vision out in the universe and then getting a team together. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's something that we also realized while building this space is that you can't do it all alone. Uh, yeah. Because if you try doing it all alone, it's never going to be... <clears throat> what it really could be. Because uh, everyone's field of vision is limited to mm-hmm. some extent. And then when you get a good team together, it just becomes all around. Yeah. And I think that's what really makes projects come to life. Is totally, totally. a great fucking team. Yeah. You can't do it without it. So Sam, uh, <laughs> you're, you're doing all of this amazing work, which I keep seeing. Right? And you have... Clients ranging from the biggest brands like Adidas or whatever, and then international clients as well. So, if you could delve a little deeper into the monetization of your work, mm-hmm. when that started, mm-hmm. how did that like? How do you do it? Which is mm-hmm. it, can, it can be your process completely. But how? When did that start? When did monetization of your work start? Mm-hmm. And how did you learn along the way about yeah. how to go about it? Right. Um, Well, you know, I made the jump from working full-time to being a freelancer um, in, I want to say May, sorry, uh, April of 2019. So I was working at an agency and I left that job to... In in Bombay? Yeah, I was actually working for Homegrown. Okay. And I just did a, had a little three-month stint with them. Mm-hmm. I was doing some creative direction for them. And it was a great way to enter Bombay. They introduced me to, like, kind of working in Bombay. Mm-hmm. And because um, I didn't, I just moved here without knowing anything or anyone. Mm-hmm. So I just decided, let me work a job and um, figure things out. So right. for three months, I was working with them. And um, then I decided to just kind of figure things out on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I left... Uh, that job, I I did it while I had some gigs lined up. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I had a mural I was doing for Samsung, and I was directing a music video for Raja Kumari. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I you know I don't think I would have left a full time job if I didn't have something in hand. So I, I would say if you're um, someone who's trying to make the shift into freelance, try to get one or two clients. And then kind of make the jump because just kind of, you know, maybe just leaving without any backup might be stressful. Mm-hmm. But also some people can leave and then take their, take all their time to find clients, build their portfolio and right. um, make that jump. 
but for me i'm kind of a anxious person so i preferred to have a backup so yeah and i really didn't want to i had another job offer but i wanted to really give all my time to raja's video cuz it was my first video that i was directing and mm-hmm. um, you know i made some mistakes in my video but i learned a lot along the way and she's like an absolutely wonderful client absolutely wonderful friend right. um who you know when i moved to bombay I started living with her so she um has been like um a, a mentor a guardian everything so she was like an amazing person to have but yeah i love her miss her so much hi raja in california <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah um yeah definitely try to have like some kind of side hustle going while you're working your full time job and in terms of monetization i would say you know ask your friends who are freelancers what are they charging when did it start for you when did you when was your first like freelance monetized gig was it in college was it before college i think my first freelance gig was um i don't even remember wow i think i'm i'm i think the first thing that's coming to mind is the mural i did for samsung so but you're in hotline yeah yeah i my i i haven't been a on my own for a long time it's just right. been since 2019 last year mm-hmm. so um yeah maybe some maybe something before i just can't remember cuz so much has happened since then that i think my short term memory is been compromised no, yeah. <laughs> i think this year is fine yeah but that um project uh, my friend sonia who is working for homegrown as well mm-hmm. she's a producer so she and she's also part of um, the the team of me and lavinia um mm-hmm. in project asra so she um like she, she really helped she produced it in the sense that she was my like she like managed me for that mm-hmm. so she negotiated a contract and a fee and um was my representative for that so like mm-hmm. if if not for her i wouldn't have um known how to uh kind of have a budget for myself she taught me how to budget she taught me how to make a cost sheet so right. oh, yeah you know have friends from other backgrounds they will really help you um, kind so, of become more complete <laughs> cuz i didn't know anything i didn't know how to make a budget i didn't know how to ask for money i didn't know how to write a cost sheet so those things my friend taught me sonia taught me how to do those things and um and then pitch yeah pitching so pitching i learned in adidas because i was constantly making decks and constantly like expressing concepts and ideas so that i just kind of took to you were pitching internally i mean oh no so the thing is i was working for an agency called annex 88 okay. and my client was adidas so okay. we were constantly sending adidas headquarters like uh, this is the concept we're going to do for this shoe and all that mm-hmm. so Amazing. yeah but um yeah definitely have friends who can help you with you know accounts and budgets and all that because um and also it also is about self esteem because i <laughs> uh i just didn't know how I was like oh, i don't know if i'm worth this fee you know like and my friends would be like no you have to ask for money you're doing a service you need to get paid so right. that kind of support is really cool and um yeah even now like sometimes i sometimes if i really like a project i'll just be like no you don't have to pay me um i'll just do it for free just give me a budget for my expenses because i really and let me do what i want on the creative mm-hmm. which is actually like i'm going to stop doing that because i'm still doing work right. to everyone who's watching this who does work for free don't do that um i don't know which camera to look at but that one, that one. <laughs> uh yeah don't do that because you're doing work and you should be paid for it 
So yeah, I um, yeah, my free days are over. As you heard it here first. <laughs> but yeah, please do get paid. Yeah, uh, believe in yourself. There is a value to what you do. Please do yeah. get paid. <laughs> I think I second that. Uh, how's it been being a visual artist during a pandemic? Uh, and how's work been? Mm-hmm. How's like how's the life been compared to before? <laughs> so before it was cool. I was living in Bombay. I'm really enjoying living in India, and um, my friends were awesome in Bombay. You know, COVID hit. We all moved back in with our parents, right. so I had to go back to Chennai. And um, my parents are really cool and like supportive people, but you know, they, they've kind of gotten used to having their space without me and living their own lives. So it's it's been difficult for everyone mm-hmm. um, to adjust. So definitely, it's yeah, that's been a difficult part. Uh, in terms of the art thing, I think it's been good for me because I'm a pretty like lone, like I like to be alone. So I just locked myself in my room and I learned 3D for. Five months, so yeah, that was uh, I accomplished something. Um, in terms of work, work has been slow, but um, I had um one or two corporate clients, so I do corporate work, um, as well. Like it's not just fun visual art. I also do corporate freelance. You probably don't see it on your feed. But yeah, because you know that stuff that I I do um, with more serious clients that are looking for like logos and like um, branding and those things. So I definitely work on those things. Um. And yeah, so I've had some of those, that kind of work. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's been quite dull. Yeah. It has been. It's been hard for everyone. <laughs> yes, it's been difficult. And I know you were telling me about the project that you recently did with GMBH. Yes. Uh, so tell us a little bit more. How did that happen? So um, I had been following them forever. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I, co- I commented on, one, they, they did this beautiful shoe with A6 black and glossy and that's totally my vibe and um, I commented on it and um, Sahat which is um, one of the creative directors I think he saw the comment and then we just started DMing and we like um, connected and he introduced me to Ben who's the other creative director and um, they were so awesome like it's so sick to see like you know like um, people of our like culture, like I think Ben is half Pakistani and Sahat is um, Turkish German. Berlin. Yeah, they're based out of Berlin. It's it's a brand. Okay. It's a it's a label, and um, I don't know if they have a store, but they uh, they do a lot of like alternative mm-hmm. like um, yeah, that style is super sick. So yeah, I met these guys online, and then we started talking, and then we worked out a creative and. Um, yeah, I had a blast. Like they are just really, really cool people. So it was like super exciting for me to work with them. Thank you so much. Just, I think I think the immersiveness of most of what you do is what hooks people, especially me. Cool. I think once you start watching it, you have to go to the end. Oh, that's awesome! I was hoping and people would finish the whole thing. Yeah, and that I think that's what makes three D work or your work unique in that sense because. You're able to kind of hook people in, yeah, and that's the hardest part. Oh, yeah. thanks so, so much. So I think that's and what's new in the pipeline. Whatever you can tell us. Uh, uh, what's happening? I know you said you were moving to Berlin soon. Yeah, well, um, I'm hoping it works out. I think I think most probably I will move there um next year. Um, 
I've been trying not to tell a lot of people because I'm scared it will get jinxed and then I'll just look foolish because okay. I, yeah, I won't be there. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, but now I'm just like, I've told everyone. So I'm just like, you know what? I have a big mouth. I'm just like too excited. I've told everyone already. So don't cut it. It's fine. Um, yeah. So yeah, Berlin, hopefully next. And um, in the pipeline, I do have um, a cool project coming up, which I can't talk about because of an NDA. But... I will post it soon, and I'm really excited. This, this client I've loved forever, so sure. excited. <laughs> what kind of equipment does one require to make the kind of work that you do? Mm. Is, it, is it expensive equipment? Yeah. Or can it also be done with something that's not as expensive mm -hmm. and big budget? Yeah. Sorry, can we cut for a second? I have something in my eye. <laughs> Sorry. Let me check. Okay, cool. Cool. Should I start? Um. So. So it really depends on what you're trying to make. Um. So if you just want to learn something like VFX and motion graphics, um, you just need After Effects. You you need like if you want to do basic graphic design, you need um. Photoshop, Illustrator, and After Effects. Mm -hmm. So that to me is like the holy trinity. Mm -hmm. And the, with just these three programs, there's so much you can do. So, um, you know, if you are just starting off getting into digital design, I would recommend investing in these three programs. You can get them for like 3,000 rupees a month. Mm -hmm. And you can get like 15 other programs along with just these three for 3,000 a month. Um, yeah, that's called Adobe Creative Cloud. So that's a good way to start. And it's not like if you decide you don't like it after three months, you can just cancel your subscription. So that's also cool. Um, I started my journey doing drawing online on online drawing boards. So that was actually free. But I don't know if those exist anymore. They exist in the early 2000s. So I don't know if they exist anymore. But that's how I started. I, it was like MS Paint online, but um, a little better. So like, I would be drawing on those. That's how I started. Um, if you want to get into 3D, um, I have a PC that I built. So my PC is actually not too expensive, um, which is why it keeps crashing. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think that would cost you around 60 to maybe 80 to a lakh, depending on what kind of juice you want to put into your PC. But um, a PC is definitely needed for 3D. You can also do 3D on like um, a laptop, but you need an NVIDIA graphics card. So if you need, if you're, all of you who are doing like, trying to do it low budget on your existing machines, just make sure you get an NVIDIA graphics card and you'll be good. Yeah. And uh, other things, like, I don't know. That's, that's the equipment I have right now. And I have an iPad for drawing. Yeah, but, I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. What, is, what do you think of, you know, newer, newer tools like Procreate. Yeah, I um, love it. Because I think they've, they've really, <laughs> like, in a way, made design accessible to people who don't yeah. understand the technical aspect of it. Like, it just made something as simple as yeah. drawing on a piece of paper. But yeah. it's digital now. Yeah, Procreate is a great, great tool, even cheaper than Adobe, Photoshop, and all to get started. Right. It's only $10 right. and, and um, forever. Yeah, yeah forever. Although you need an iPad, so that's a bit of an investment. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it's a great the, tool. The Apple. the Apple Pencil. Um, so it's a great tool. It, um, 
you know, flows like butter. It's like really intuitive and nice to use, easy to use. And I think it's cool because like people, I like seeing people move into digital art. And I think a, a tool like that is a great, easy way to get started. For sure. What is one piece of advice you would give to yourself five years ago or seven years ago when you were taking your first job as a leader or before that or before you even got anywhere? Uh, What's one piece of advice you would like to give to your younger self? Oh my God. Knowing what you know today. Man, so much. But the main thing is take care of your health. Don't compromise your workout and your um, your sleep and all that for work because you just your work will end up suffering if you don't take care of your mind and body. And I still don't follow that advice today. Like I, you know, I'm not like the healthiest person, but I'm really at least now I know what I have not taken care of before. So I need to like take care of myself. And work is not the only thing in life. It's like you have to have a 360 life. Right. So no, I agree with you. On that. Yeah, I think that's something we forget a lot in the hustle of everyday life. Yeah, it's also just looking at Instagram and constantly comparing yourself to people. It's just like really unhealthy, actually. So yeah. and that makes you always be like, no, I have to keep working because I'm never going to get to where they are. So that um, I, is a thing. Comparison is. Yeah. So this, is some, <laughs> this is something that I read and it really stuck with me, and I think. Yeah. I, I've followed it to a certain extent, is that comparison is the thief of all joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the moment, the day you stop comparing is the day you actually start doing what you want to do. And Mm -hmm. I think that's that's something that a lot more, because we live in such a hyper-connected world in which everyone knows everything and everything, everyone knows what everyone else is doing. Yeah. I think that just automatically comes to a point where you're just comparing X and Y and A and B. Yeah, and it's not, human right to constantly have see someone else's achievements because right. then you, your own achievements become small right. you mind, feel small yeah. so that's not cool I think I, I think there's going to be like a lot of unhappy people if we just keep going down the yeah. way and I think there are and I think this year has kind of amplified that mm-hmm. and <laughs> people are actually getting sick of social media because uh, they've just, that's all they've had this year. Right. Like, so I think that's made a lot of people question um, how much time they want to give to this thing. Right. And how much time did your phone take away from mm-hmm. It just, <clears throat> it becomes overwhelming at times. Like yeah. you realize at times you're just scrolling. <laughs> and, yeah. And you know, it's, I think they have a term for it now, it's called doom scrolling. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Doom scrolling. So, yeah, it's literally like scrolling because yeah. it's just habitual now. Yeah. Um, and, it's and like so, it's a slot machine. Like you pull to refresh. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, how many emails? How many likes? Oh, man. Email. Email addiction is a thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm like super addicted to my email. I'm always yeah. like, <gasps> There was a documentary. There was a documentary. Social Dilemma. Yeah. I watched it twice. Like I love, I love stuff like that. So. And when they, when they talk about how... Some person sitting in somewhere in California making a design change is impacting a billion like lives. everyone. A yeah. billion lives in that like the moment they ship a feature mm-hmm. on Gmail, it's impacting like three billion in Yeah, that's actually crazy. And, yeah. and to have that scale of impact yeah. is just nuts. It's, yeah. it's just insane to think about today. 
Uh, and I think that's what digital, like our digital world has done. Although it's made everything more connected, it's also pushed us away from mm-hmm. the things that we, like that really matter to us. Yeah, that's true. Because we're, we're just so stuck in our digital world. Yeah. As compared to just being in our digital Just world. hanging out. But I'm glad we did. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> For we sure. To, you know, I'm glad we were able to connect. Yeah. Do you remember the first time we met? I think it was at Soho? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Fashion Week party. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, we, we literally flew down from Delhi, Abhi and I. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it was the first time we were doing Fashion Week. Cool. Oh my god, yeah, you were in Street Feet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the show. For, uh, <laughs> for Gundi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, because I didn't know I was going to be the only not model in that show because she told me like, no, like is my friends are modeling for me. I was like, cool. My she's Natasha. She's one of my yeah. really good friends, Gundi Studios. And then um, I like look, and then it's like all her friends are models. I'm like, I don't want to be the only fat girl on the rap. Oh shit! I'm so sorry. Please cut that out. I was like, I don't want to be the only like short, potato-looking girl on the ramp. So yeah. anyway, just cut out the that part. So I feel super bad about. That. Uh. <laughs> sorry. No. So what time is it, guys? About 10.20. 11.20. 11.20. Cool. About 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Cool, cool. But just cut out that comment, okay? Yeah, so yeah, I, it's like not we'll politically correct. To say. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh my God, I'm just... Uh, it's recording. Oh my God. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, cool. We'll start again. So, uh, as we're saying, um, I, that... I think that that party at Soho House on the ground floor is when we met. Yeah. And, and I remember, like, you're like, hey, I'm Sam. And I'm like, wait. I, I follow you. Oh, yeah, that happens a lot where I'm, like, I'll just be somewhere and then someone will be like, I know you. And I'm like, hmm. She's like, no. Where, where have I met you? I know you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Maybe on that. Just like, I don't know. So that's kind of funny. Because it's just my work, right? And then sometimes they see my face, so maybe they know. But, yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of honing skills, right? What are some resources? Do you do you read design magazines? Do you listen to design mm-hmm. podcasts? Or what what do you turn to for, say, if you want to learn about typography or right. type or about a certain design aesthetic or technique? What do you turn to? Okay, I don't listen to any podcasts or read any magazines because I'm just like not a sophisticated person. <laughs> just kidding. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of like, designers are like, oh, I just read this magazine. I'm like, I don't read anything. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, I look on Instagram and then I see a trend that I like or like something. A lot of my work is like actually inspired by the trends in fashion and like 3D art, like the art world. So, yeah, I look at those kinds of trends and then if I see something that looks cool, I just like will look on YouTube, like how to recreate it and then I... I'm not trying to do it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, what, like, if I had to ask you if money was not the big choice mm-hmm. in your life, what would you be doing? If money wasn't a concern, as in, like, you as don't. You take, like, you're taking care of. You, you're taking care of, you have food on your table, you have okay. everything you would need monetarily. Right. What would you be doing as an artist? 
Well, that's the thing. Like the kind of thing about art is it's a high investment um, career industry. So that's the thing. Like I, I, it's like okay, am I in a situation where I have unlimited money that I can just pour into my art, mm-hmm. or is it like no, I'm taken care of and I can just do whatever I want? Yeah, you have, if if that's what if that's what you want to do, if you want to have unlimited money to pour into your art, yeah, you have it. Mm-hmm. What would you be building with that? Is is my question. Like what if if it's art? If you were if you so if money was not a question and you were still doing art, right? Um, then what would you be building? Huh. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I also my career. I'm not really doing it for money because um, I do. I don't get paid like a whatever investment banker. I just do it because I love what I'm doing and whatever money I make, you know, pays my bills. Right. But um, okay, so if I had unlimited money, I would not spend all of it on art because I think that's actually kind of selfish and would. You know, it's too much suffering everywhere. So I think if I would definitely try to finance like big art projects um, that employ like a lot of creative people or my friends, or at least um, you know, some all of us are kind of taking a piece home. Because I think I think I'm kind of a socialist at heart. I'm kind of like distribute the wealth. Right. So <laughs> yeah, um, but that's what I would do if I had like copious amounts of money. But um, I think if I didn't. I don't know. I think I would just be doing what I'm doing right now. I really like what I'm doing, and yeah. If I didn't have like any responsibilities and anything, I would just, I would be like making pots. I do like pottery. Interesting. I, yeah, I love I doing that. that. Yeah, my high school friends probably know because I, I used to do pottery in high school and paint the pots and stuff. Yeah, I would do that, or I would be DJing. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can make too much money from being a DJ because I'm not like super musically talented, but I like I like the feeling of it, and um, I would like to do that and just have fun. But yeah, I think um, I really like what I do, and I can't see myself doing anything else. So, <laughs> so I think I think on that note, I think yeah. we'll, wrap, we'll wrap this up because that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I hope you all had fun, and if any of you are into making a career in graphic design, visual design, or multidisciplinary design. I hope you got some insight from our today's episode. So thank you for tuning in, and remember why we do it. We do it for the culture. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Damn, I didn't shave my legs for this interview. I should have done that. Oh, you're, you're it's fine. just like you're, you're Photoshop my hairy legs, guys. Photoshop everything. <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you so really? much. Like I, wait, no. Can I unplug the mic? Yeah. I hope I answered the questions okay. Yeah, yeah. We cut out when you said that.